For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Come On You Spurs podcast. My name's Dan Tracy and I'll be your host for the next 45 minutes or so as we talk all things Tottenham. Because win or lose, we'll discuss the news. It's three up top this evening and that means leading the line once again is Cole. Cole, I hope all is well mate and I hope... Everything has been well since we last spoke on the last episode. Yeah, really good. Thanks, Dan. Um, football hasn't improved, but I'm sure we. You know, I look forward to these therapy sessions on a Monday now. And of course, that also means that James will be on hand to answer some questions. So, James, how are things with you, mate? Yeah, very good. Thanks, mate. Um, looking forward to another good pod tonight. Uh, and yeah, hopefully the football improves like Carl says, but at least we've got plenty to talk about. And it's another debut cap that I'm handing out tonight. It also goes in the direction of Sean from the Talking THFC Twitter page. So, Sean, thanks for joining us. I hope all is well, mate. Yeah, all good. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on. Not a problem, mate. So, before we chat all things Tottenham, let's get the social media bits out of the way so we can dissect Saturday and more in full. As always, don't forget to subscribe to the Coming News Spurs app where the podcast will be available each and every Tuesday morning. You can follow us across social media. We're on Twitter at COYS underscore COM. And we're on all the major audio platforms, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc, etc. You name it, we're on there. Right then, let's get down to business. And that business is a rather dull encounter against Watford on Saturday. Carl, that's now four league games without a win. And you'd have to say, with each game that passes, the top four hopes just continue to evaporate in front of us, don't they? Yeah, that's right, mate. You know, we were so help- so hopeful, weren't we, just before that Chelsea game. Things that, like, we turned the corner and were on the up. And then the football has just kind of steadily gone downhill from that point onwards. Um, and again, like as you said, Saturday, you know, Saturday lunchtime, you know, dreaded kickoff on a Saturday lunchtime for us, isn't it? But we, again, just another game where there was nothing there that really got you off your seat or excited. Felt we were better in the first half than we have been recently. Um, but again, we just seemed to lack that creativity and, and spark going forward. Um, and in second half, we were kind of up against it a bit. But you know, some people might look and say that's a good away point at the moment, the way Watford are playing. But I think that kind of sums us up, doesn't it? You know, right now, if we're if we're grateful and happy with a point away at Watford, the, you know, the season they've had, then it kind of says more about us than it does them, I think. And I guess, James, what is more frustrating is that Chelsea seem to be doing their absolute best not to finish in the top four either. We can't take any real advantage of their slip-ups. You look at the last six matches, they've earned 10 points, we've earned just four, and that, of course, includes that six-point swing just before Christmas at our home ground. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's just a small mercy, really, that the teams around us kind of uh, are losing and, and not playing as well as, as they could be, as well as us. You know, Leicester, you look at Leicester, they, they had a disappointing result as well. Um, Chelsea dropped points, but then, you know, there's a lot of teams that, that are going under the radar. You know, teams like Wolves, um, even Sheffield United are playing some some nice football. So, um, you know, it's it's a disappointing result. You know, if you look at the bottom four now, uh, Norwich and Watford, two teams that we've we've dropped points against, um, it's it's disappointing because they're they're teams that we should we should be putting putting to bed um, and putting to the sword. Really, they should be the games where we're we're showing what we can do and uh, and paddling the stats a little bit. But uh, you know, hopefully we can get back to winning ways in the week. It's a massive game. Hopefully we can. Um, uh, you know, put a few put a few points on the board and, and you know, actually score some goals because that's where the uh, that's where we're struggling. And Sean, that's now 275 minutes without a Premier League goal. And unsurprisingly, that run has come since Harry Kane's injury. So a couple of weeks ago, we discussed on the show that we had fears that the supporting cast, as it were, 
might struggle to do that Herculean job one more time. And it seems, unfortunately, as if that prediction has seemingly come true. Yeah, and uh, I, I think it's uh, it's plainly obvious for everyone to see. We're, we're just crying out for a proper out-and-out striker. I mean, as you say, three games on the bounce now. There's, there's obviously a massive hole in our attack. And I think only Spurs could make a start in 11 look like 10 men somehow. Um, I mean, Sonny's not a solo striker. Lucas is, isn't either. Uh, and Delhi isn't quite that false nine um, that we thought he was. So, um, our, our, our you know, biggest problem has been laid bare for everyone to see. Um, I'm disappointed with the strikers we've been linked with, in all honesty. I think there's there's better strikers available. Admittedly, this is tough to bring them in in, uh, in January, of course. But um, I, th- I think that boils down to last summer, really. Levy um, has, has let us down with the recruitment once again. Um I'm baffled they didn't give Lorente at least another year. I think from from what he did last year, he, he deserved another year on his contract. Um, and he would have started almost all of these games. So um, it, it's frustrating that the uh, you know the issue is so obvious to us all. And the club don't really seem to be acting upon it. And Cole, if you look at the members of the supporting cast, what did you make with Lucas's one-on-one and also Sun's effort in the second half? We sort of come in from a tight angle, blazed it over. Does it sort of almost signify that things aren't coming off for them as of late? Yeah, I think it just kind of, you know, Sonny's going through a bit of a, a dry spell, isn't he, at the moment? You know, it doesn't look as effective. Um, you know, Mora is one of those streaky players, isn't he, who, who sometimes, you know, can, can turn up when you maybe don't need him to in a game. If you're 2 or 3 nil up, he'll go and grab a, grab a couple. Um, but when you're nil-nil, he won't put away that vital chance that could win you a game. But I do just think it just sums us up at the moment. You know, there's a lack of confidence by the looks of it in everybody that's playing. A bit of unsureness from everyone. You know, when players possibly should shoot, they're thinking, oh, do I just pass this here? Take maybe the safer option. Um, and I think that just comes from confidence and maybe everyone feeling a bit, you know, unsure of what's happening. And, you know, the, the way that the games are going for us as a team at the moment. So, you know, they are, you know, Son is definitely a quality player, but he can, you know, he can be guilty of some of these dry spells. And ideally, at this moment in time, as, as you rightly said a little while ago, Dan, you know, he stepped up before and we desperately need him to find his shooting boots again right now because that's the main goal threat there. And James, with such a barren run in front of goal, do you think Tottenham will bite that expensive bullet and get some form of additional forward personnel in the next two weeks? I mean, it's not as easy as saying, yep, we'll have him, but surely something has to give now. Yeah, I think, it, it, you know, if the last three games are anything to go by, then, you know, Levy's been watching the same football that we have. Um, and it is clear to see that there's a, there's a massive hole uh, in, in that part of our attack. You know, whoever seems to go in there, Lucas or Son, it's just not the, the same kind of, of, of player as, as Harry Kane. Um, even even look at the, looking at the Champions League run of last year when when Kane was that injured, we had you know Lorente as our target man. We need some kind of focal point for the attack and some some kind of players for uh, for, for the other players to play off. And you know it, I I don't think we'll be we'll be signing anyone permanently um, because you know if you got to look from a, a player's perspective, Harry Kane is going to come back into this team. He is going to be the, the the main man again at some point, and so. You know, it's it's a difficult one. To, you can't really try and sign a, a world class player in that position because then you'd have two world class players fighting over the same spot, and that's unlikely that they're going to do that. But certainly, a short term loan to get us through to the end of the season, it, it'd be a good good idea for for you know a player who might be struggling elsewhere, someone like Jovic at Real Madrid, 
um, Piatek at, at Milan, you know, someone like that who, who's, who's maybe not firing on all cylinders, but definitely got a bit of talent in there somewhere um, to try and rediscover a bit of form in the Premier League. And, you know, it's a, it's an attractive prospect for them at the moment. They know they're going to be going straight into the team as, a, as the main man, as the main centre forward. Uh, and, it, you know, it seems like a win-win for someone like someone like Jovic, someone like that to, you know, rediscover a bit of form, um, get playing in the Premier League under their belt. Uh, you know, and, and Tottenham needs someone to play there. So I think on this occasion, Levy's going to have to, uh, you know, get his wallet out. If, if if not for a permanent deal, then definitely for for some kind of short-term loan. Sure, and you just said that you weren't really enamoured with the kind of names that are being linked with this potential Tottenham uh, striker void, as it were. We had a question from Holly, who was on the show a couple of weeks back. She asked that with Son and Lucas not really suited to that forward striking position, that central role, as it were, does the rumour of Ellison Cavani handing a transfer re- request, does that get you excited or does his age and financial package ward you off somewhat? I mean, it, 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 I don't know about you, lads. For me, I think he, he's exactly the sort of player we should be going for. Um, I, I was, as I said before, I was disappointed with some of the names that came up. Uh, I mean, particularly Zé Luis at, at Porto. I mean, admittedly, he's, he's had a pretty good season, but that's just not the calibre of striker we need to be going for. And, and not the calibre of player we should be able to attract. We should be able to attract, you know, the at least players of a, of a Champions League level. Porto were, were dumped out before it even started this year. So uh, Cavani, it, it, it's, it's perfect, I think. I know he's 32. I know he's on a lot of money. Um, but he's about to hit 200 goals for PSG. He's been there since 2013. I mean, the man just, it just loves scoring goals. Uh, I don't think he's ever hit below 23 goals a season for them. Um, so his record's staggering. Um, it's clear, to, as, as we saw today, he wants to move. Um, I'd be surprised, to be honest with you. I think Atletico seems to be the club he's going to go for. Um, we saw Frank Lampard today as well in his press conference say that, that Chelsea are interested as well. Um, so if it boils down to, to us, Chelsea and Atletico, uh, I'm afraid the, the wages could be the issue there. Uh, but that's exactly the sort of name we'd be going for on a... If we could, uh, if we could get that over the line, that'd be quite something. Carl, what's, the, what's your take the on the thing? Is, the thing is, oh. sorry, Dan. No, yeah, I mean, the thing is there. The, the thing there for me is obviously when we're talking about possibly bringing someone in on loan, and obviously you know we have this conundrum that everyone thinks you know you can't buy another striker because Kane will be back. But I'd rather than going for these loan options and players coming from a league that are unsure of, I'd rather go and spend some money now and tempt someone like an Ings or a Pookie from Norwich. Yes, they're going to kind of, you know, you might be looking at stumping up some money and obviously Norwich or Southampton won't be looking at letting those players go right now. But if you're telling me that Tottenham as a club can't turn that player's head and force that player to force a move and get that player we want, then uh, for me, that's a real sad state of affairs because the whole point of us having this stadium facilities, Champions League, was that we could suddenly attract players of that sort of quality. Now, obviously, we know Kane's going to be back, but the recent history has shown us that Kane won't play a full season's football and he will end up going missing. And that's only going to continue for me as, you know, as he gets older and that. So we should be looking to go and buy a player. And if you look at, say, someone like Ings or Pookie now, you know, or someone like Mopay from Brighton, they are players for me who would be happy to say, you're going to come. Yes, if Harry Kane's fit, it might be that he's going to start. But we've got enough games throughout the season. There'll be times where we can play two men up top. Kane may possibly drop into the hole, so you play up top with him. 
um, and you'll get enough games. And not being funny, if you come in and start scoring, then you're not going to be dropped because you're not going to drop a player that's banging goals in. Even if it, you know if Harry Kane's not and this other guy is, you're going to pick the guy scoring. So I think this is one of the problems. We do need to try and shift that. Oh, we, we're Kane to be back. So what's the point? And we've tried this buying these players and strikers from abroad and it hasn't worked. Let's go and get some proven premiership quality and somebody might actually come in and hit the ground running and make a difference to us as a team and help maybe push us up the league. Because the time and points we waste losing by bringing an unknown player in, you know, that could be your Champions League football gone right there. So go and get a name or a proven player. And you know, even if you're talking Cavani for six months to the end of the season, I'd rather shell out that money and see someone come in who can score some goals rather than some young guy who's got to try and settle in, settle down, get used to the league. Because Cavani's been around, he is class. So he would come in and hit the ground running, in my opinion. But I, I just, just think, you know, I want to see us buy someone proven rather than taking another gamble. Let's I think the only, the only problem with someone like with someone like a Puki or an Ings is is that I think that they they thrive off being the main man at a club. You know, I think the only reason that Danny Ings has, wasn't, you know, a hit at, at Liverpool, but all of a sudden has been a hit at Southampton is because he's been given such a run of games and he's all of a sudden discovered some form. And the same with Pookie, you know, he, he's been the main man at, at Norwich. And so, you know, they thrive off that. I think if they were just, a, a you know, the, the main man for a couple of months, but then a bit part role at Tottenham, I, th- I think we'd, we'd see them struggle a little bit. You know, I, I, you know that's that's just my personal opinion. But I, I, th- I think, you know, Sean hit the nail on the head in that we should be aiming at footballers who are much higher calibre than the ones that, that we are at the moment, whether that means they've got Premier League experience or not. Because, you know, you look at someone like Gavani, he's got, prem- he's got you know, pedigree at that, that level. Um, uh, there's no reason why he, he, he couldn't come here and, and do us a job. But... You know, it, it, ultimately, we should be looking at, at higher class players rather than strikers who are playing in, in the bottom half of the Premier League and and really only only hitting a bit of a purple patch rather than actually being uh, being quality footballers. Right, James, I'll stay with you because obviously a lack of goals was apparent at the weekend and it's obviously an issue for Tottenham, which is quite prevalent. But I'll tell you what, you're not going to get much closer than Eric Lamella's clear effort on Saturday lunchtime, are you? No, that, that's you know I was out my seat. I was I'd already celebrated. It was it was an embarrassing moment, <laughs> um, but you know it's it's so so close. It's it, you know it almost sums up. I saw a lot of people say it, it sums up our season. You know we it sums us up as a club. If anything, we're just so close and yet so far. Um, you know it's a, it was a great first touch for that that Norwich lad making his debut, but. You know that would have, that could have been a massive goal for us. That could have been you know our, our Harry Winks away at Fulham last year. That that could have been huge for us. Um, but you know it, it wasn't to be. Um, there's no reason why it might not be this week though. Sean, they reckon the margin of error for Hawkeye is three millimeters. So looking at that picture, we're probably talking the absolute slimmest of margins that it can't be a goal. I mean, I guess we'll never know. But it would be interesting to know that even though the technology is not 100, percent do you think that's probably the closest it could possibly be? Without actually the referee going to the the centre circle. <laughs> oh well, I I think so. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's a tricky one. That uh, the ball's over the line at the end of the day. It's uh, it's such a such a fine margin. But um, frustrating that we're you know we're, we're even talking about that. We we should have had many chances to to put aside like Watford to bed, considering they're seventeenth, I think, in the league at the moment. Um, it, I mean, it really shouldn't have boiled down to that um, from the start. We started quite well. Um, we tailed off a little bit. 
Watford were dominant for at least 40 minutes after that, I'd say. Um, it's frustrating that uh, you know a little scabby Lamella chance was uh, about as good as it got Saturday. Yeah, I think you're right, really. I think that if that's the narrative, it sort of overshadows how sort of blunt we were in attack. And Carl, technology mm. was certainly in the limelight on Saturday, and it also involved involved a former Tottenham player in the shape of Etienne Capou. So that high tackle that went unpunished on Tanganga. More importantly, why was VAR not called upon in that instance? Yeah, it seems it seems strange, doesn't it? You know, I guess you could say that's kind of the second game in a row now, haven't we, where we've had one of those sort of tackles where a guy's got a studs-up tackle and, and Tanganga is the player who was on the end of it twice with Robertson in the last game with Liverpool and in this one. It definitely should have been looked at, shouldn't it? I mean, you, you've got to look at the replays and he goes in with his foot high, studs showing. And for me, you know, that that's no different than the um, Abamyang tackle at Palace, you know, a few days before. Um, so if, if that one was given as a red card, then for me, the fact is you turn around and say, well, yeah, he's gone in foot high, studs showing straight away. Um, I'm not saying it was malicious, but that's the tackle that was made and that's what we're seeing red cards for. Um, and I think, you know, this is what, you know, generally for football fans frustrates us the most. When one week something's given and the following week you don't see the same thing punish because that's where you do sit there and go where is the consistency I don't mind if week in week out that is constantly given as a red card but one week a team benefit from it the next week a team almost if you like are punished by it not being dealt with so for me that was a red card and should have been looked at so I, I would sometimes like to you know have these questions asked and explained as to well why didn't you step in there you know if this one's looked at why isn't that one looked at um, and I think that sort of transparency would be what, what just helps the game in general going forward for everybody, not just us. And James, talking of Tanganga, what did you make of his performance? Because perhaps not quite as good as the two that have happened beforehand. That early booking could have caused a much bigger headache. But when you consider playing left back as his position, he certainly didn't disgrace himself at the same time, did he? Absolutely not. You know, I think it was it was just as good a performance uh, as any, um, just as good as his other performances. Even, um, you know, considering he's playing left base, you know, it's a brand new position for him. He's not even played there for, for any of the youth teams, so um, he's got the physical attributes. You know, he's he's a he's a very quick lad, very strong, and he and you know he, he's such a clever footballer. He, he reads the game so well. Um, you know, he's up against a, a really informed footballer in Star. I think he was a. A really exciting player for them. He, you know, he got bums off seats every time he got the ball, um, and and that could have been a real problem. Um, but that, you know, he's gone up against Mane. He's gone up against Saar. He's obviously quality at defending against uh, yeah, exciting, fast, tricky players. Um, so I think we've got a real player on our hands there. I think you know he, he could be a real um, option for us at centre centre half to to short the defence up. But at the moment, he's he's, um, he's he's solving a problem for us in the fullback position. So, you know, hopefully he gets a run of games under his belt, doesn't pick up any silly injuries, uh, and, and you know he, he could be the the player that turns our season around. You know, it's, it, people have stopped talking as much about the need for uh, a centre half since he's he's come through. I don't think we you know we obviously need new fullbacks, um, but he's he's certainly uh, solved a problem for us in in one respect. And Sean, talking of disgrace, what on earth was Michael Oliver counting when it came to the first half stoppage time? I think it was three minutes 20 to fix his equipment, two minutes added on. That said, he probably did us all a favour after such a poor 45 minutes overall. Yeah, I think uh, I think Jose's facial expression summed it up rather nicely. 
nicely when uh, when we had that all going on. I mean, I, I, again, it's as we said with the last the uh, the Lamella incident at the end. It's, it's unfortunate we're having to talk about these things. You know, we're a massive football club, and and, and Watford are, are struggling at the moment in the Premier League, and we shouldn't be we shouldn't be talking about these moments. We should have been talking about dominance over a side that you know that aren't as quite as good as us. You know, to to give them the respect um, they deserve, but. Um, uh, yeah, again, unfortunate um, that it didn't quite go our way. But um, you know, as the lads have alluded to, you're going to get that in football. Sometimes it'll go your way, uh, but in the grand scheme of things, it'll balance out. And hopefully, uh, with you know, with the the tricky games you still got left to come, uh, some of that luck starts coming our way. And Carl, in the second half, Watford had the most guilt-edged opportunity of the game, and it was one that saw the Hornets awarded the spot kick. So. Ultimately, did you think it was the right decision? If so, what was Vertonghen doing with that flailing arm? Um, yeah, yeah, for me it was. You know, he, he's gone to floor. It's it's kind of similar to the Rose one in the Champions League, wasn't it? You know, if you're a defender and you're going to go to ground, the minute you stick your arm anywhere up in the air, um, if it hits it, the likely it is you're going to get that penalty given against you, the fact that it's in an unnatural position. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit silly, in my opinion, from Vertonghen. Um, I think that's just one of them rushes of blood that goes through your head and you kind of look back and think, oh, what was I doing there? Um, but thankfully for him, you know, it probably wasn't the best spot kick by Adini, you know, a comfortable, nice, savable height for a goalkeeper, not right in the corner. And, you know, to be fair to him, Gazaniga's got quite a good record of saving penalties, hasn't he? Um, so, you know, great, great save, um, keeps us in the game and thankfully brings us away with at least a point because obviously, you know, that probably would have been the goal that wins the game. And we're sitting here now talking about another defeat and, and actually a really depressing one in the grand scheme of things if that had happened. Yeah, that was going to be my next question to James, actually. The sense that Dean's penalty wasn't the best, but even sometimes bad penalties do hit the net. So credit to Gazaniga for making sure it's still nil-nil. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure who it was. I saw on Twitter one, uh, another goalkeeper praising um, what a good save that was, actually. It was, you know, you, you take for, for granted, you say that's a nice height. Uh, it wasn't right in the corner, but you've still got to guess, you know, you've got to wait till the last minute to... to to make your move, um, you've got to get two strong hands to it. You've got to guess the right way first and foremost, um, and you know, and then he, he's managed to parry the ball out, out of the way as well. So, uh, you know, give a lot of credit to, to Gazaniga there. He's he saved us two points, um, you know, and he's and he's filled in really well for us in the in the gap where Hugo Lloris has been out injured. Um, you know, he, he had he's had a few crazy moments that that minute against Chelsea where he lost his head a little bit. Um, but you know, other than that, he's made some great saves, and, and you know that that's more points that he saved for us. So, um, cheers for that, Paolo. More of the same. And Sean, talking of the goal being breached, do you think the signs are there when it's coming to defence? Because obviously we lost Liverpool, but it was a much more resilient defensive performance, a clean sheet on Saturday. So, if nothing else, there's at least a platform to build on in terms of the back four. Yeah, no, I've been talking quite a lot about this since since the game. You know, we're we're now two months into the the Mourinho era, um, and I've got to jump to his defence. I think he's done a, a you know a really good job with the tools at his disposal. The, it's only the second time in his career that he's joined the club mid season, um, and and what a baptism of fire it's been for him at Spurs. I mean, there's been few few harder jobs in football than this post potch Tottenham. Um, but I think he he's done well. He continues to back his squad after repeating the same line about you know they're they're playing well when when at times it's been the complete opposite. Um, and I think that's either a case of him just being delusional or uh, you know politically sensitive. I think it's probably the latter. Um, 
if he starts ripping into these players, it's going to be hard to motivate them for the remaining four months of the season, particularly with you know the, the Champions League game to come still. Um, so he knows what he's doing for sure. And I think, you know, given what he's done in, in his career, he's earned the right from us to, to trust his judgment. Um, so I think he's done a really good job. I'm, I'm in, excited to see what happens in the summer. Um, I think we're, we're in for a big rebuild. And, and being brutally honest, I think there's only eight, maybe nine players I'd keep in the current squad. Um, I'll, I'll let you decide who they might be. Um, but I think we're the squad is getting older. Um we're in for a big rebuild, and I'm, I'm fairly happy it's him at the helm for that remodel. Um, I mean, I'd be nervous as, as hell if it was Eddie Howe, for example, in charge of that rebuild in the summer, as, as some wanted, as opposed to Mourinho. Um, but I think once he finally gets a bit of spree, breathing space and can evaluate his squad, um, it might do some good, even if those replacements aren't necessarily Spurs signings and the more typical Jose signings. Um, it'd be interesting to see what he can do. He's got the contacts and, and respect in the game to attract the very best. And um, I, I'm intrigued to see what the, the next few months holds for us. If he can somehow claw top four, it'd be some sort of miracle. If we can go on some sort of run in the FA Cup and Champions League, even better. Um, but I think we have to stick by him for now and, and see what the next few months can bring. So, Carl, Sean sort of mentions that he might only keep nine players in his own opinion. Let's say there is at least a projected upheaval, a transitional period. How brutal does it need to be? How brutal will it end up being? I think it needs to be brutal, and I think it will be brutal, if I'm perfectly honest, Um, because it, it, for me, is the only way you can go. You know, there's a lot of ageing players now, and players who look like they've reached their peak and possibly, you know, are not going to improve us anymore. Um, And quite frankly, yeah, you, you get to a point where you actually just need to get those players out um, and, and so that you can get new blood in. I mean, you know, I'm not just going to single him out, you know, for any you know, obvious reason. Um, but for me, I think the last few games, you know, we've seen that Eric Dyer is certainly a player now that, in my opinion, I don't think we'll ever see the Eric Dyer we saw um, in his first couple of seasons. And he's a player, I think, is causing us problems because, he's, you know, too slow, too ponderous on the ball, gives it away too often. And now in that sort of position that he wants to play, you need a, an indeedy type player who's more mobile, more agile, you know, got a bit more about him. So I think, you know, those sorts of players that we're carrying now, because we are carrying them week in, week out, you just actually do need to be brutal and say, well, sorry, you, you've served us well. Thanks for everything, but it's time to move on. So I think it needs to be brutal and it will be, to be honest. And James, when it comes to the defence, Mourinho himself has said that he reckons he could fix things a lot quicker. However, to do that, he would need to kill off the remaining attacking prowess that we have left. So is he presented with something of a difficult balancing act at the moment? Because he could go ultra-pragmatic, you know, park the bus, all those kind of cliches, but then you really are sort of killing off any real goal-scoring hope. So it's that sort of seesaw movement at the moment, and it's just sort of tilting in not quite the defensive direction. Yeah, it's about getting it right. You know, we all everyone said the jokes when when he first came to Tottenham that we were going to park the bus and uh, you know it was going to be nil nil. But then it, it didn't really work out that way. You know, look at our first few fixtures that were they were all three one. Uh, you know, we were conceding but scoring more, and that that's you know it was exciting for a month, and that's kind of died off a little bit now. Um, but you know, it's about getting that balance right. I think he still doesn't know his best starting eleven. Um, I think that you know that was very close to it while we saw at Watford. Um, but still not quite there. 
Uh, I think, you know, and Dombele is going to be massive when it comes to, to talking about bridging the gap between attack and defence because the guy is so good at both. Um, you know, you talk about, you know, you're talking about there about um, us being, being you know, not quite good enough defensively, but, you know, sacrificing a bit a bit of that for the attack. And, and Dombele brings both, you know, he can he can intercept, he can tackle, he does the work for, for two centre midfielders because of his, you know, his work right off the ball. Um, and then you know on the flip side he, he can he can thread a pass he can carry the ball there's not a lot he can't do so if when he sorts his fitness out I think he, he could be a huge player for us in that respect in that you know he's he's probably as good as as Ericsson at picking a pass but also as good you know good at Sissoko um, off the ball um, so you know I, I, I think Jose said he was going to sort our defence out that hasn't quite happened yet but we are getting there. Uh, and and you, you can put our, our lack of goals down to, to the injury to Harry Kane, which was something that none of us saw coming. You, you couldn't, you, you should have planned for, but you can never really plan for an injury like that. So, I think we've got a long way to go. Um, but but Jose can can get it right eventually when he when he picks his best team. And Sean, if we move slightly further up the pitch, it was Winks and Lacelso paired in the central midfield. Do you get the feeling there's going to be different pairings by Mourinho? almost sort of case of sticking or throwing whatever you can at the wall, seeing what sticks and then finally finding a partnership that works. I think so, yeah. I, I think I saw a mad stat over the weekend. I think we've tried 15 centre midfield partnerships this season, um, which, which is quite something. Um, and I think we're still yet to see, if I'm right, we're still yet to see Ndombele and Lo Celso together. Um, and, and given that they were, they were two of the players that we brought in in the summer, um, it's, it's quite surprising we're yet to see that um, uh, and I'm quite excited to see that in all honesty um, I've been disappointed with Winksy this year to be honest with you um, I've been a big cheerleader for him the last few years I think he's been one of if not the standout English midfielders um, up there with, with you know, the likes of Grealish and Madison um, but I think this year he's unfortunately let himself down in what is a massive year for him with the Euros coming up and as I say so many good young English midfielders coming through. Um, the competition for places for the for Southgate squad is is enormous. So um, I, I think it was unfortunate the way he started the season under Poch. Um, he didn't really do himself any favours um, to try and help keep Poch in a job. Um, I know that's not his responsibility, but he was one of the players, I think, that, that didn't do us any favours. Um, uh, and then again, I think since Mourinho's come in, um, in the West Ham game, the opening game, I think he was about the only player really I could have criticised um, out of all of them. Uh, and unfortunately, he, he just hasn't picked up that form that we saw in the Champions League, particularly the last couple of years. So, um, I, I'm, unfortunately, I don't think Winks has got a long-term future in that centre of midfield. Um, we saw that City and, and United have both apparently come in for him in the last few weeks or so. Uh, and, and as much as it would break my heart as, as one of our own, so to speak, I mean, if we could get decent cash for him, if, if we could get anything near 30 million, um, you know, Poch talked about that painful rebuild um, and, and Winks might be one of the victims of that. Well, I'll tell you what, if anyone gets uh, Harry Winks for 30 million, it'd be an absolute steal, but I'd see where you're coming from. I just don't really sort of see him as a Jose Mourinho type midfielder. And I think, you know, like you say, if you're trying to have a brutal or painful transition he might like you say just be one of those ones that you don't really want to sell but if the right kind of money comes in off you go but Carl talking of midfielders Jetson Fernandez made his debut a little bit longer than the cameo perhaps but is there anything we can take from that showing at Vicarage Road? 
Um, well, you know, it's kind of, you know, early days. So I think, you know, we'll need to give him a little bit of time to settle, you know, at least a couple of games. I- I'd like to see him get a start against Norwich in midweek um, because, you know, I think it's OK. Throw, you know, you can throw people on for 10, 20 minutes, 30 minutes here and there. But you need to get, you know, we need to see a guy from the off and given, you know, at least a decent game or two to kind of see what they're really about. Um, but, you know, there were some promising signs there. Um, and let's just hope that, you know, he can settle and, you know, he can be the sort of player we're looking for that can kind of give us some spark um, in, an, in you know, remainder of this season now. But, yeah, you know, slightly promising. Um, but I definitely want to see him. I'd love to see him get a start against Norwich in midweek. James, I can't think of many other highlights from that game. So let's cast our mind back to four days previous and the fact we're now in the fourth round of the FA Cup. And it's fair to say that last Tuesday certainly saw the Argentine connection come good against Middlesbrough. Yeah, I think I think Middlesbrough really struggled in that part of the pitch where where La Celso and Lamella kind of thrived. Um, certainly, you know, running at that straight at that back four was where both our goals came from. Um, the the energy of them two are, are, when we're when we're pushing high is, is is really important. And you know, I think they both finished their goals really well. Um, it's just a shame for me that we didn't kick on from there. Um, you know, maybe score one or two more. Uh, really kill the game dead and, and in the end let Borough back into it and it was a little bit of a shaky finish but um, you know all things considered um, we're through to the next round which you know we wanted to just get that get that fixture out of the way but you know judging off the first 20 minutes I thought we are really gonna we're gonna put these to the sword and uh, and it's gonna be a real confidence builder but uh, it wasn't to be they kind of put that took the foot off the gas a little bit um, but you know job done into the next round bring on Southampton. And Sean, we mentioned Tanganga earlier in the show. I think it was a real breath of fresh air against Middlesbrough and an obvious clear shout for man in the match that evening. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's just so lovely to see players, young players coming through. And I think that's all, all we want as fans. We want players to be there that want to play for Tottenham Hotspur. They want to wear that shirt. Uh, and he's certainly one of those players. Um, and again, I think you know, a lot of credit needs to go to Mourinho for that. Um he highlighted against Liverpool that obviously they've got three very quick attackers, um, a lot of pace, uh, and unfortunately Vertonghen has lost that couple of yards that he, he once had, um, and, and he made the brutal decision to to drop Jan and, and stick uh, Tanganga in. So he deserves a lot of credit for that as well. Um, but yeah, a really really exciting prospect, um, and we'll, we'll you know be exciting to see where he goes. Um, he's only twenty years old. Um, He's represented England at almost every level since under 16. So um, he's probably not a million miles away from from that under 21 squad. Um, but yeah, really exciting prospect. Um, and uh, hopefully he continues that run against Norwich on Wednesday. And Carl, James just did allude to this, but the blot on the copybook was the fact we didn't keep a clean sheet. So, you know, a bit annoying. But ultimately, when it comes to cup football, the underlying principle is all about progression, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it wouldn't be Spurs if they didn't give you a, a, a you know, heart wrenching last few moments Absolutely. or so, would it? You know, no, no, no point doing it easy. Let's do it the hard way. I don't think you know there must there must be if you look at NHS records, more Spurs supporters with heart problems than any <laughs> other team in the country. I think. Um, but that, that game should have been put to bed within the first half, shouldn't it? You know, they gifted us a couple of goals and, and we should have put a couple more away. Um, but like as we say, at the end of the day, cup football, as long as you get one more goal than the other team, you're through. And that's all that matters, you know. Tough game now against Southampton away, obviously. Um, but you've got to be in it to 
win it, as they say, then. Absolutely. And we'll look to the Southampton game now, because talking of the Cup, is revenge going to be on the menu, James? After that New Year's Day defeat, we've got a uh, receipt to give them, haven't we? Absolutely. And, you know, Southampton, I think we met them probably at a bad time. They were playing some good football. Um, you know, it was just after they beat Chelsea and... Uh, you know, it, it, they had Hassan Hall had them playing in, in a in a in a good way. They've got some really exciting players that you know that they just haven't been haven't been clicking really. But they they did click for a few weeks. Um, I think you know now they've had their purple patch. I think they're de- certainly beatable. Uh, they've got players that that can be dangerous. But I think they're the, they're the kind of team that for some reason we we never really perform against. But we we should be, you know, that they're, they're they're not a very good football team. We should be, see, hopefully, you know, getting past them with relative ease. The only the only difficult thing is it is at their place. You know, we we've struggled there in the last two seasons. Um, but you know, there's no reason why we we can't go there and and get a result. And as as Carl says, as long as we we grind out the result, get one more goal than them, and move on to the next round, that's all that matters, really. Sean, can you see many changes from the team that took to the field on Saturday? And more importantly, how strong do you think Southampton will go? Because when it comes to the Cup and a Premier League team in that sort of, you know, 13th to 20th bracket, it's not necessarily the main priority, is it? So will we see two full-strength teams go head-to-head at St Mary's? I think so. I think so, yeah. As as Jose said, for the Borough replay, um, he's got so many injuries, he can only really play the the team he's got available. Um, I'd expect potentially Fernandez to get get his full debut. Um, and likewise, I think Ryan Sessegnon might come in. Um, but yeah, I think we'll, we'll go pretty pretty full strength. Um, he might mix it up a little bit with, with how we play up top. Um, maybe have more as the, the lone striker. I think he's, the, he's more suited to that role out of him and Son. Um, but I mean, it's going to be a big game. It's going to be a tough test. Um, I know we're we're going to fill out the uh, the away allocation. We've got about five and a half thousand going down there on the south coast. Um, so a big day, um, and if we have any hopes of uh, you know winning the FA Cup this season, uh, we've got to win games like that to get through, and it'd, it'd be a tough test. Yes, let's hope it's the next step on the road to Wembley. Of course, it would help if we go into that game with a head of momentum, and that will be also helped if we beat Norwich on Wednesday. So, Cole, you sort of just mentioned about Jetson Fernandez and him possibly getting a start. What else would you like to see in terms of tinkering, if at all, come midweek? Uh, well, I think he'd be probably the only change. Um, I think, as you know, James said earlier, I think what we saw against Watford was probably as close to a start in eleven as you might think Jose would want. You know, the only two change, other two changes I could see would be Davies when he's fit coming in. Maybe even Lloris, obviously back. Davies, you know, back as a left back slot. Um, and then obviously Harry Kane up front. Um, the rest of it, I think, would stay the same. Um, I'm not too worried about Wednesday. I think this is one game we can go in, I think, reasonably confident. You know, we, we put up a decent fight against Liverpool. We look good for a little while against Watford. Um, I think we can go into this game with a little bit of confidence. We should attack them from the off. And, you know, dare say, if we could get an early goal, I could see us possibly getting a comfortable win. Um, I think they'll score, but, you know, for me, I think Wednesday we should be looking to put a comfortable win. And as James said earlier, you know, a couple of, you know, three points, you know, possibly, you know, at least three goals, in my opinion. And then we can kind of, as you say, look forward to that weekend with some momentum behind us and a few players picking up their, picking up their morale. Right, for talking goals, we might as well lead on to the world-famous prediction game. Um, it was parked last week, but we're back in the swing of it now. Just to recap the league table, me and Carl are on seven points. 
James and the guests collectively on five. You get three points if you get the score bang on, one for the right outcome. Sean, you're representing the guests this week. You get to go first. What will be the score between Tottenham and Norwich come Wednesday night? I am going to go for 3-1 Spurs. Oh, it's a good, confident start. I like it. James, as your second bottom or joint bottom, what have you got for me score-wise? I'm going to go 2-0 Tottenham. OK. Cole, you get the next serve. What do you reckon the score will be? I'm going to go 3-0 then, to be honest. I, I've, you know, I did think we can see, but my confidence is growing as we guys were just reeling off their scores there. So I'm going to go 3-0. Right, OK. I'm going to play devil's advocate because all the interesting scores are gone. So I'm going to go for one all. Um, I think I've got a sneaky feeling that Norwich might um, continue their positive run from the weekend and just hamper us even further, considering we did draw against them at Carrow Road. So, yes, I'm going to be the slight party pooper and just mix up a little bit because I think we keep following the same sort of outcome. So just to sort of test the waters. I hope it's not the outcome. Maybe a bit of, um, what's the word, uh, reverse psychology. That's the one. Right, we've got a few more minutes left. So I want to talk Enoch. We don't really sort of touch on the Enoch at, in, out, shake it all about sort of um, rumours and whatnot on here, but why not? So, Cole, there was a big banner spotted at the Middlesbrough Cup game. We're getting like that lot down the road. Is this called for? When was the last time you saw a big banner like that at uh, Tottenham ground? You know, are we sort of getting to that sort of mass hysteria with all these sort of protests? Is it going to go down that route? I don't. I can't see it getting to that. You know, the last time I remember it really all kicking off massively was when Sugar and the Venables saga was going on. You know, that was the last time I really can remember. You know, fan massive fan uproar at the club. Um, I don't think we'll turn into Arsenal down the road where we'll you know someone will hire a plane and stuff like that. I um, mean, less Saver and Hasper are potentially getting their money together right now to to organise that. Um, but I don't think we'll see it. The banner did crack me up, you know, the thanks for no memories. I did think that was very clever who put that on there. Um, but I don't think we'll see it grow. You know, I still think, you know, in some ways, maybe Levy has been clever with bringing Mourinho in because possibly he buys a little bit more time because obviously, you know, if you are looking at it, you, you could possibly say there could be a large number of supporters who are looking at this season now as a write-off and we go again in the summer and next season. Um, so I don't think we'll see too much of it, but it is growing. So it is getting some momentum now. And, and if results started to turn for the remainder of the season, then it could get ugly. So, Sean, I'll come to you uh, next. What's your, I guess, position in the Enoch in, Enoch out? Are you sitting on the fence? Do you have a real passion either side? How are you, how are you playing this one? It's, it's a tricky one, to be honest. And I, I, I can't can't quite say I sit either side of it. Um I think in, in Levy's defence, what he's done for the football club has been fantastic. Um, the the new stadium is is the best in the world. The the training ground I've been been lucky enough to be there several times, and it is unrivaled. It is it's, it's a magic magic place, um, and and to go there every day and to work would be an absolute dream. Um, he has slowly but surely turned us into a Champions League slide through his managerial choices, through the players he's been able to bring in. Um, he's made a lot of mistakes um, that have let down fans, they've let down managers, uh, particularly Pochettino. Um, so I think, first and foremost, he deserves a lot of credit for what he's done to, to make us relevant again, to make us a, a big contender for big prizes. The last few years, unfortunately, um, he's let us down. That, that lack of investment has really, really hurt Pochettino. It's really hurt a lot of the players that we've got there. 
Um, it be as I said earlier in the in the podcast, the rebuild this summer will be very interesting. If he doesn't back Mourinho, what was the point in sacking Pochettino? If you're not going to go and get someone like Mourinho in and back him, potentially one of the most decorated managers of all time, what what are you doing? You, you know, you, there's no need for you to be running a football club if your mentality is to not to not do that. Um, I think the the Enoch out banners potentially a bit too premature at this stage, as we said um, with the Arsenal, you know, uh, links. We're not at that stage yet. Um, you know what what's happened in the last few years has been the best few years, the best four or five years I've I've had support been you know supporting Spurs. Um, but if Levy doesn't play his cards right and we start off next season in the same vein as we do this season, uh, it could end up costing Mourinho his job, um, which ultimately would just be the biggest embarrassment for the club. Um, but I, I think we need to be cautious. Um, but unfortunately. His lack of investment has let down a lot of people. And James, we're not quite at the point of the season where we have to talk about season ticket prices, but why not? Because they will have a decision at some point. Can you see him going up again? Will that increase, if it does happen, be at least um, lessened if there is mass investment in the summer? People go in with more sort of fresh horizons about them. Or if there's you know not the investment that Sean may have alluded to, and there's still an increase, is that going to whip up the Enoch out movement even further? How do you see this one playing out? I think it's a it's a very touchy subject. I think it, there'll be uproar if, if prices go up yet again. Um, whether or not things change on the pitch or investment-wise or player-wise, I, I, I think it'd be, it'd be very, very harsh for them to put the prices up again uh, and, and certainly run the risk of, of, of you know, pricing us out of, out of football. Um, it, you know, it's that's a that's a bigger debate. That's football wide rather than club wide. But you know, it, it, the question is if the team doesn't perform this season, um, uh, and we you know we do drop out of the Champions League places, um, we 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 are in the Europa League next year. How how are they going to fill the stadium if if they are going to uh, continue keeping the, the prices this high? You know, looking at prices for for a, uh, a game like Norwich. Um, this week, the, the ticket prices are still sky high. Uh, you know, we're still in that honeymoon period with the stadium, where people are still going to pay the, the the prices to go just to go and see the stadium because it is a spectacle. Um, but that's going to start running out soon. You know, pe- people are are going to start getting used to the stadium, and the spectacle is going to wear off. And so, it's not quite worth paying paying the money if you're not seeing quality football. And if you know, if we are in the Europa League playing against playing against farmers from from across Eastern Europe, then people aren't going to pay the money to come and see it. So, you know, it's a tricky one. Um, I, I hope to God they don't put the prices up again. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think it's it's an impossible one to answer. I think only, know, only the board know what they're going to do. I think if they know what they're going to do now uh, anyway, um, but, you know, I just hope that we don't continue being priced out of football whether whether things on the picture are the same or different, I just I hope that that they start thinking from a, a fan's perspective um, rather than thinking with the wallets. I think that might be wishful thinking, to be honest. But Cole, also a bit more wishful thinking that supposedly Alphabet, the company owned by Google, might be buying the club. I mean, it, are they really? Or are we just sort of in that sort of pipe dream scenario? 
Yeah, I think it's at the moment it's it kind of pipe dream, isn't it? I don't think you know if you do any research on this, there's no real hardcore research to kind of prove that that this is in the fire. Um, I kind of with the stadium and what that's going to bring in revenue wise, given the NFL and that. I don't think I see Levy and Enoch possibly selling up within the next five years, maybe. I think they'll look to use it as a bit of a cash cow for now and kind of build up that sort of retirement fund. Um, and then, you know, after that, once they've made some money and kind of ridden the, the, the wave, as James said, you know, right now, lots of people are still going to that ground because they just want to go and see it and experience it. So, yeah, it wouldn't make any sense for them to sell because there's still a lot of money to be made from there. And let's face it, Enix's main priority is making money. So I can't see him selling up right now. Um, I think we're kind of stuck with them at the moment. Um, whether that, that, you know, don't particularly think that's a great, great news for us because I think their sole aim is making money. I don't think it's the football side of things. Um, so if you look at the Levy conversation from a business side of things, he's been brilliant from a football side of things, which is the side we all care about. Not so great, um, you know, in terms of, as, you know, Sean said, you know, backing managers at certain points. So I think anyone who's kind of hoping that this alphabet and, Thing is going to happen i think they're going to be a little bit disappointed i'm afraid sean can you legislate a poor season this time around if you know this sort of we're back in the saddle in 2021 i know there's no guarantee of that but also there's no guarantee of perpetual success so are we just sort of experiencing the blip that most teams will have at some point we just sort of almost rode our luck for so many years and we're now we're not i guess regressing to the mean and back to where we should be but we now are in that sort of you know just the the trough of the peaks we've had before it's an interesting question to be honest, and I think the position we've been put in now is that um, you know the results this year were were bad, and uh, I, I went to um, Podge's last game, the Sheffield United one, um, and it was I, I hated being there. I did not have a good time there. The atmosphere was poisonous. Um, the the on field stuff was abysmal. Admittedly, the the several VAR incidents we had that day didn't help. Um, it was getting to a stage it just couldn't carry on the way it was going. Um, so Levy had to make the, the decision, do you move the manager on? Do you give him a bit of time? Do you wait till January to, to start that painful rebuild that he alluded to? Um, so he had to make that choice. He went to, to replace the manager. I don't think he could have got a better name than he did in Mourinho. You know, the, the other names out there, Allegri, I wasn't too keen on. Um Never really experienced life outside of Italy. Doesn't speak the language. Um, that was that was a big issue for me. Eddie Howe wasn't wasn't even a contender for me. I mean, that as much as a fantastic job he's done at Bournemouth, I think he needs a stepping stone in between your Tottenham's, your Arsenal's. Um, you know, he needed a an Everton, some you know, a, a bigger club um, where he can start to deal with some egos that he hasn't before. Um, so Eddie Howe wasn't right either. So I think Mourinho was about the only name he could have gone for. Um, I mean, a, a fantastic appointment on paper, you know, arguably the the only elite manager we've ever appointed um, in our, you know, in a, in a very very long time. Um, so he he did the right thing in my eyes in in getting Mourinho in. Um, what's interesting now is that we're put in a position where we have to back Mourinho. Otherwise, the the next name we get in will be that step down. It won't be that elite manager and they won't be managing a team in the Champions League the way we're going. So the next few months are, are massive, um, particularly the summer. We have to back Mourinho. We have to, to bed into 
you know, the, his philosophies and the way he wants to do things. Um, otherwise, it could be a, a real struggle the next few years. Um, I'm intrigued to see how we get on against Leipzig. Um, I'm hoping that, you know, the big big Champions League nights under the lights, we uh, we turn it on and we surprise some people. But you never know. Um, it, you know, this is really is the biggest four or five months I can remember in, in Tottenham's history, really. And James, the final question to you, it's about Harry Kane. If you believe the rumours, he might be out for Euro 2020, which is an absolute pisser for him. But whisper it very quietly, that means he might be fresh and firing for the start of next season. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you say fresh and firing, you know, there's only you can only get fresh and firing from playing football matches, in my opinion. I think, yeah, you know, if if he does doesn't go to the Euros and he and he spends more time. Uh, recovering from his injury, spending more time on the training ground, maybe uh, more time in the gym, then that's gonna, you know, that's gonna boost him in, in one way. However, I, I think he, you know, he'll benefit more from being on the pitch. So I think it's still an absolute pisser. You know, it's a pisser for England, for Tottenham especially too, because I'd rather have Harry Kane having a nice rest over the summer, um, but playing some football and and you know preparing that match fitness um there's a massive i think i've always said there's a massive difference between being fit and being match fit uh so you know there's not a a great outcome either way um from this situation and i think it's just the the final kick in the teeth that the the last kind of six months has has dealt us um i think harry will do we we know from from the past he'll do everything he possibly can to be fit to go and play for England, uh, uh, and you know, like I say, fair play to that. You know, the guy loves representing his country. He's the captain of his country, and he's the best player for his country. So, so why not? Um, but uh, nothing we say or do, uh, club-wise, is going to stop him going to the Euros. Uh, if he can go, he will go, even if it's, you know, his first game back is 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 in the knockout stages. Um, it's going to happen, um, but you know, either way, I think he's he's not going to be the same player uh, that he was for for an awful long time. If he's ever going to be the same player again, which is uh, horrible to say, um, but I think it, it might be the uh, the painful truth. Right, that brings us up to full time. Just time to do the podcast admin, as it were. So, if you've got any questions or comments for next week. Please send them either to me at StanTracy1983 or at COYS underscore COM. Not only that, but if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, leave a nice review to us so we can move further up the league table. And now I need to thank the guests. So, Sean, an absolute sterling debut. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you'd like to come back before the end of the season. Absolutely, lads. It's been a pleasure. Cheers, buddy. Cole, thank you for your time this evening. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, cheers, Dan. Really enjoyed that, mate. No problem at all. And James, same to you, mate. Yes, mate. See you tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, for a pint, I suppose. Yep, we will do. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. And as always, come on, you Spurs. For Spurs fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Tottenham videos and podcasts, download the free Coys app now from the App Store and Google Play.